there. Welcome into the hive. My name is Julia B and you're listening to the Life is a Buzz podcast, a buzzing lifestyle podcast where we get comfortable with being uncomfortable. We cover topics typically pushed to the wayside because they threaten the way society wants us to think and feel. Topics like mental health, sex positivity, racial issues, spirituality, and so much more. Get comfy because you might get uncomfy. Life can definitely be a buzz. Hello, my beautiful bees. Welcome in to the hive. Today, we're going to be talking about rest. Mm -hmm, You heard me. Rest. (laughs) That four letter word that we hustlers despise and how genuine rest can help us stave off and recover from burnout, enhance productivity and let us leave a more fulfilled life. We have all been there crashing on the couch or heading the bed by dinner time after a hard day. Telling yourself that, you know, you'll watch that episode of The Witcher later, or even that that laundry waiting to be folded since last Tuesday can sit there one more day because, hey, tomorrow's Sunday and I'll just have to wash the laundry all over again anyway. Often, that feeling of fatigue is still there till the next morning. So, you know, you've slept, but you haven't recovered because what you really need is rest. So, Last week, we covered the topic of burnout and how it can leave you feeling helpless, hopeless, and honestly, just damn done with everything. And one thing I mentioned was getting enough sleep and not sacrificing sleep to stay up late and have me time. Well, now I'm about to throw a whole wrench into that statement because sleeping isn't enough. I know, I know, I know, I know. Your head just exploded. It's all over the place. You're like, what the hell is this crazy lady talking about? Just hear me out. Most of the time, when we feel drained, we try to compensate by getting more sleep. And that makes sense, right? Because for me personally, I do this thing called sleep or revenge sleep procrastination, where I sacrifice sleep to finish something, to keep playing a game that I'm really invested in, to read a book, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I could talk about that all day long because it is a crazy psychological thing that my therapist and I have been discussing, but we can save that for another podcast. (laughs) Anyway, most of the time we as a collective are not getting anywhere near the recommended seven to nine hours of sleep. So what the hell do you do when you feel exhausted, even when you get more sleep? I'm going to tell you. You read a book by Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith called Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, which I will leave a link for her book in the description because my goddess, I read it, it was fabulous, and I may have to read it again. No, this is not sponsored. I just really love the book. And I know I love the book because I struggle to finish self-help books because they're like all the same. They're not interesting. I'm a fantasy fiction bitch at heart. So reading anything that improves me takes me like seven centuries. Okay. Anyway, Dr. Sandra talks about the different types of rest your body needs, to which there are seven, seven types of rest. I first read this book and I was like, huh? I hardly have time for sleeping. And you're telling me I have to rest seven 
different ways. <sighs> Spirits help me through. Now, with that sentiment, we're all capable of pushing through exhaustion to meet an urgent deadline to finish a project, but it shouldn't be something that you do long term. Think of your muscles in your body after you've been working out for two hours, going hard, making the gains. Your mind becomes fatigue after extreme effort, just like your muscles do. Your brain is not designed to be endlessly productive. In fact, the brain is actually most efficient when it's allowed to move between periods of focus and unfocus. Anyone who has tried the Pomodoro method will understand this more than I have, but it's more efficient this way because during periods of rest and relaxation, the brain can merge memories. It can cement learning that you have done throughout the day if you're in school or just taking an extra course like on Udemy. And it works on problem solving. It works through doing the work, which we will talk about a lot on this podcast. So even though it seems counterintuitive, time spent resting actually makes you infinitely more productive. So all this, what are the types of rest? Well, let's start with creative rest. If you've ever felt like you're just out of good ideas, you've experienced being creatively drained. Most people know this as being uninspired or having a creative block, writer's block, you know. And if you've been there, you know that pushing through doesn't always work. People are especially prone to this when their careers overlap and when with doing what they love as a side hustle economy has grown into the only answer for economic instability. I struggle with this a lot because I work a job that at times asks me to get creative and also asks me to be analytical in a sense. So I a lot of times have an issue coming home and working on artwork or writing my book or just thinking of something new because I've been asked to be creative at my job all day, think logically all day. How could I even possibly come home and expect to do that at home? My, my brain is fatigued. I just did two hours of a grueling exercise, more like 10 hours, but you know, my brain cannot produce anymore. And for content creators, I don't think I need to tell you what a struggle this is. For people that have YouTube channels, who stream on Twitch, who have podcasts, who even do our Instagram bloggers, it is a struggle to be creative in their workday and then to be asked to have a hobby, you know, to do something and not make it monetized. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So what are some ways to combat this? Well, for me, I have always found that getting out into nature, you know, taking a walk through a park, along the beach, going on a hike, um, camping even, uh, walking the dog. <laughs> walking the dog is actually kind of funny because a lot of people make fun of me because I walk my dogs through a cemetery and y'all are like, yep, I'm clicking off this podcast. This bitch is crazy. <laughs> but... Where my husband and I live, we live right next to a cemetery, which actually happens to be a cemetery that a lot of my family is buried at. Um, 
that was not planned. It just kind of worked out that way. And I really do like it because I'm able to go pay my respects whenever I please. Um, and it's unfortunately the only place around here that we can walk our dogs and have a very enjoyable time doing so because it's a pretty big cemetery. And a lot of people do this. A lot of people drive down there. They walk, they do miles, you know, the whole shebang. It's not as morbid as it sounds, but I, I can understand the thinking there. Um, so there's like benches. There's a beautiful pond there. There are several swans and geese and ducks there. It actually is a very good time. And if you really think about it, sitting with yourself and just coming back to nature and coming back to yourself and you're around spirits. You're around the spirits of not only your ancestors, but other people's ancestors that are able to kind of refill your cup in a way. You know, you are you are actually channeling a lot of energy around you that can be very healing. So, you know, getting out in nature, obviously, I go to because I'm a Virgo sun in the second house of Taurus. So I am like the nature's mom, basically. I am the earth mother. So I really do thrive when I get to go outside. Um, But doing something just for fun as well. You know, think about what would you make if you didn't have to sell or share it? And this kind of goes more towards my content creators that are listening, you know, you guys that work from home or even like my video game designers, my, um, you know, my marketing teams, you know, people that are endlessly creative in their jobs in or out of the home. What would you make if you didn't have to do it as a job? You didn't have to sell it. You didn't have to share it. You didn't have to market it. What would you do? Because goddess, this is something I struggled with when I was streaming on Twitch and I was making YouTube videos that were gaming content, which if you did not know, um, I used to be the mystic nymph on Twitch and YouTube. They are still there. If anyone's interested, you can go look at them there. I even have an Instagram, but, um, shameless plug in my own podcast. But, um, I struggled with this a lot because when I was playing a game, for myself. Let's say I wasn't recording it for my YouTube channel. I always in the back of my mind was thinking, Julia, you could be making videos on this. You could be posting this. You could be streaming this because, hey, people would be watching you and you could make an income and you could be getting followers and you could be getting big, blah, blah, blah. And that's really damaging. If you if you think about it, it's really damaging that your mind is constantly telling you that you should be monetizing something. And that is comes from constantly being in survival mode, which we'll talk about also a lot because survival mode is a state of being where you have never had good luck with finances. You never have been financially abundant. You've been struggling for a while. Like you never have known a time where you were able to walk effortlessly through life without worrying about what was in your bank account. And so when you sit down to do something for yourself, your mind is constantly thinking, how can I monetize this? Because I'm very good at it. How can I make money to better my situation? Just think about how damaging that can be to you, that you're basing your worth off of, or you're basing your abilities off of what you're worth. You know, my my writers out there, my artists, again, my marketing teams, you know, people like that who when you sit down and you're like, I really just want to draw this piece for myself. I want to write this piece for myself so I can enjoy it. And you can't enjoy it because 
you know, you know, in your heart that you are so good at it, that what if I put it out there for other people to see and either not even just a financial validation, but an internal, like an emotional validation, you're being validated for your gifts. It's just, it's really sad to think about that you can't even do that. You can't give that to yourself. So that's something that you just need to think about. What would you make? What would you do if you didn't have to sell or share it? And how can you allow yourself to be comfortable sitting down and taking time away from work? Because that's what this is all about. Resting, taking the time away from work to refill your cup with things that you love to do. Because for most of us, I would hope you wouldn't be doing the work that you're doing if you didn't enjoy it, right? So immersing, this comes to immersing yourself in other people's creativity to refill your cup. If you're not able to sit with yourself and go, what would I make? Immerse yourself in what other people make. This also fills your inspiration cup. You know, visit a museum, get together with friends who inspire you. I know for a fact that my friends and I, we have a lot of art nights together. We sit, we digital draw on our iPads or we just draw, we write. We have a lot of content plan and business plan nights. Um, you know, where we, I have a lot of mutual friends who have online businesses, who have Instagrams and YouTubes and Twitch streams and who base a lot of their business plans around being creative. So, I have a a lot of like-minded people that I'm able to get together with and draw inspiration from. And I really value that, truthfully. Um, Because the funny thing about that is a lot of people mistake creativity for just being artistic. But in reality, creativity could also mean figuring out a way to increase sales or how to keep those two workers who have been bickering all the time down in cubicle five from, from bickering all the time. What's a creative way that you could get them to get along for the sake of work. Being creative doesn't always mean being artistic. It does not always have to mean that you have to be Van Gogh and make beautiful freaking artwork. Everyone has creativity innately in them. Everyone has the ability to be creative. I want you to put that in your brain Everyone has the ability to be creative. It just shows up in different ways. And so when you think about um, a cabinet maker, you know, architects, when you think about someone working on a car, that's that's being creative. When you're adding new things to your vehicle, you're being creative. You're expanding your vehicle to look nicer, to perform better. That's being creative. You are thinking creatively to think about how you can better your vehicle or just how to make it look nicer. Anyone can be creative. And so I feel like all of us struggle with this. So there is an amazing book called The Artist's Way that I feel like would benefit a lot of people to read when they're struggling with this. It's called The Artist's Way. It comes with a workbook, which in my opinion is optional but it talks about finding a deeper connection to the process of being creative to achieve a higher level of creativity. And there are hundreds of activities and exercises in the book that offer guidance in any creative endeavor you may be involved in. So I'll leave a link to this book as well because I really loved it. And I will continue to make an effort to go through those activities myself, even if I have to redo some because 
it really helped me get out of a creative block that I was experiencing not too long ago as a result of my ongoing burnout that I am healing with. So stepping away from creativity, let's move on to mental rest, which I feel like is also extremely important to rest during and after a period of burnout. We need mental rest when we feel distracted, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel like, you know, we can't focus, which, hi, my name is Julia B and I have diagnosed ADHD. I am never, ever, ever focused. I am in a constant state of, ooh, shiny, ooh, squirrel, more shiny, like, girl, uh, it's a problem. But be that as it may, you likely need some mental rest if you are experiencing any of these factors. When you're mentally drained, you may feel like you have brain fog or like every task takes twice as much effort to complete. And mental rest allows you to disconnect from cognitive demands and allows your brain to slip into that default mode network. For people in information-driven work or... Um, who spend a lot of time on the computer, that kind of rest can be especially helpful. So again, back to what I said earlier, I'm an assistant practice manager in a vet office that unfortunately refuses to switch to the digital side of things and burn the paper charts. Like I said in my last podcast, I love my job very dearly, and having paper charts doesn't bother me, but good goddess, I wish we could get rid of them. Um, because at my old job before this one, we had paper charts in the very beginning, and then I actually was there during the transition to, I'll say paper light, I won't say paperless, because going paperless can be, whoo, Chile, a little stressful. But paper light, is so refreshing because you don't have to have so many demands on you through the day. And anyone in the medical field, I know you understand my what I'm saying. Um, so most of my day is looking at a screen, uh, doing bills, responding to emails, ordering inventory, uh, meeting with vendors. And then there's an occasion where I need to write up a refill of a medication. I need to schedule an appointment or decipher medical notes because good goddess, why can doctors never have beautiful handwriting? Hmm? Why not? Why did the universe have to make that part of logical people all wonky? Like, why? I, I really want to understand what part of the brain controls the handwriting because, oh, and I feel like I can do it. I feel like I can keep up with the best of them, but goodness. So point being, <laughs> I'm in a constant state of detail orientation because being meticulous is a top priority in a job like this. And add being a Virgo son, the second house to this, of Taurus, I should say, uh, oh, good, good goddess. I'm just a doomed perfectionist who gets a migraine twice a week. And... That is something that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about is when you are in a constant state of being very meticulous, that that is a drain on your mental state, truly. Um, so, you know, ways to get mental rest. Take short breaks throughout the day. 
set a timer to remind yourself to step away and take a few deep breaths. There are cool apps for this. One in particular I use to stay focused. I think it's called The Forest. And basically you set a timer for, let's say, 30 minutes. You leave your phone alone. And when the timer is up, you'll have grown a tree. But if you touched your phone at any point during that time, the tree will die. So I actually use this to stay focused. But when the timer goes off, I get up, I stretch, I take a break, I walk around and then I go back to my work. So you could use this one of two ways. You could use it to stay focused on your work and you could use it to rest. You could set that timer for 30 minutes and you could say, I'm not going to touch my phone during this 30 minutes of rest either. I'm actually going to go do something away from technology. I'm going to go give myself the time to relax for a minute. And I know not everyone can do it that way, depending on your job. But even if you're like a content creator at home, or even if you've been running errands all day, taking care of your family, your kids, your spouse, give yourself that 30 minutes, even an hour of rest and then come back to what you were doing. Um, you know, and so create some space also. The next point I had was create some space in your brain by writing down your thoughts on a notepad or in a journal. I pride myself, and this is where the meticulousness is going to come back in. I pride myself on being able to multitask and remember details with the best of them. But this is also a detriment because I'm that bitch with 50 tabs open and I can't figure out where the hell the music is coming from. <laughs> like, I'm that girl. And then everything just crashes and it goes, you know, error, error 404, you know, Julia B.exe has stopped working. You know, like it, it takes a lot of mental power to keep that up all day, day in and day out. And to be honest, though, I pride myself in it. It isn't healthy. It. Uh, you know, it is a constant state of just drain. You know, five minutes ago, I took a phone call for a client and then, you know, I so I didn't write it down. I remember that she needs a medication for her dog, Fluffy. And then, you know, another call comes in and I take that and, oh, she needs to make an appointment for her four dogs and they all need different things. And then, oh, you know, someone over here needs my attention, help with something. And oh, someone, you know, I got to go do these emails again. I can do those things. I can keep up. I can remember it. But to the ability to keep those tabs open is a mental drain. And I do attribute it to the migraines that I experience because I do get a migraine two to three times a week, usually. And that's just not okay. Because those of you who have experienced migraines, I'm not talking about headaches. There is a difference. I'm not talking about a little, oh, I got a headache today. I am talking about the crippling migraines where you need to go lock yourself in a room with no light, no sound, and just curl into the fetal position until it's over, especially if you're seeing the auras in your eyes. Good God. So taking, clearing the space in your mind and keeping it out of your mind and just writing it down so that way when you go back to your notebook and go, oh, yeah, she did call. I, thankfully, I wrote it down. It just keeps the mental clutter out. So that way, when you go home, and I know my waitresses do this, when you go home and you go, oh, my God, table five didn't get the extra honey mustard, you can keep that out of your brain because you you wrote it down. And if you can remember to go back to the notebook, which I know some of you are going to be like, well, what about remembering to go back to the notebook? Keep that tab open. 
constantly keep the tab open that, hey, I have a notebook full of things that I need to remember. That tab can be there, you know? So, um, yes. <laughs> I feel like I had a lot to say on that. Um, another way to give yourself mental rest, give yourself extra time to disconnect. Put your devices away um, an hour before bed. And, you know, allow an extra day or two at the start or end of a vacation to decompress. Um, I actually just learned (laughs) and applied this because there have been many times that I have flown in from a trip and it was early enough in the morning. I have done this. It was early enough in the morning that I could make it to work and then work a full shift. Don't do this. (laughs) It is so much nicer to come home, see my husband and our kids and spend the day sleeping than it is to come right out of vacation mode and to work. And the example of this is I go to Disney World a lot. Any Disney fans in the chat? Let me know. I go to Disney World very often. I love it so much. And the several times that I went, I was working at my old job and um, there were a couple trips where we flew in very early in the morning and we didn't have to work until 11 a.m. So I was able to go home, take a nap, get, you know, get some rest. And then I got up and I went and I worked a nine hour shift and then I came home and then I worked the rest of the week, my normal week. Don't do this. Give yourself the time to disconnect. Spend the time with yourself. Spend it with your family really decompress from the trip because the traveling itself takes a toll on you. Um, I was very fortunate that I got to go to Washington state to visit my best friend and her husband. And that was a five hour flight. And I'm scared of flying fam. I am scared of flying. I hate airplanes. You can tell me all day long that flying is the safest way to travel. I don't believe you. (laughs) Uh, I'm in the air fam. Mm -mm, Safest way to travel. My ass. There ain't no way. I do not like flying. And so decompressing from the flight was very important because I I do have anxiety. And that was a very anxious like time for me. Um, and I went by myself. Uh, my husband stayed at home. He took care of the kids and I went by myself. And it was a, it was a fantastic time. But I was there for about a week and a half. And because I do also have ADHD, I was getting to the point of my trip and Um, I'm sure several of you have experienced this even without ADHD. You get overstimulated, right? Your social meter is going down. It's going down and it's going down hard. It's crashing. You're like, you know what? I'm done now. I'd like to go back home. I'd like to be in my own space, in my own house. I feel you. So when you have vacation and then you come back and you do not allow yourself the time to be in that space and you go right back into stimulation girl, that's not good. That's not good for your mental health at all. And that does come, that is a form of disconnection. You need to disconnect from your job, the world, any other obligations to be with yourself. And I do struggle with keeping my phone uh, away from me an hour before bed because I keep my phone in my room next to me. I do because I am a warrior and I always want people to be able to get a hold of me. And that's my own thing. You know, I have family five minutes away. I have a sister who um, has a disability. I need to be able to be reached at all times. But 
I do have a sleep mode on my phone so that at a certain time, notifications that I don't need that are not important do not get to me. Phone calls and texts can, but that's about it. Um, So disconnecting, you know, keeping yourself in your own space and not on someone else's space and in someone else's time. That's good mental rest. Um, And then the obvious, physical rest. It's probably easiest to tell if you're short on physical rest because your body will let you know if you're in pain or not getting enough sleep. Physical rest can either be passive or active. Passive physical rest means time spent asleep, (laughs) including napping. Like I said last time, I'm the nap bitch. Um, Active physical rest, on the other hand, is really any activity that improves your physical well-being, like a massage, exercise, stretching, yoga. Utilizing both kinds of rest will make the biggest difference in your physical energy levels. And it's going to depend on what you do for your job or in your day to day. I say job because it's what I have, but I I know that there's probably some sing not single dads, some work from home moms and work from home dads in this chat that are like, well, I mean, what about me? Like, I don't have a job. You do have a job. If you're if you are a parent, you also could benefit from this rest. So, depending on what you do in your day to day, is going to depend on what type of rest you need. So, if you are in a labor intensive job and you're on your feet all day, um, you are on work sites or you build homes or what have you, you probably would benefit more from the passicle. Passable? <laughs> Passive physical rest, which is the napping and the just being asleep, getting more rest. Um, if you are someone with a desk job, you know, you have a very sedentary um, job that does not ask you to be very physical, is not very labor intensive, you probably will benefit from resting your body by making it more active, by getting it more into a state of activity and releasing energy, releasing pent up energy. Because I don't think we talk about enough that when you are sitting for a long period of time, your body is at rest, but it is probably itching. Just think about think about what you take on a day. All the stressors, that you take on. You're sitting at your desk job and you're like, oh my God, I got to respond to these emails and I got to make all these calls and you got to talk to these people and you're just taking it on, taking it on, taking it on. Where does that energy go? Think about that. Where does that energy go? Where are you storing that? Well, you're storing it in your body. You are storing it there and guess what? Your body's taking it and taking it and taking it. And how do you release it? How do you go home and then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to sit here on my computer some more and play a game and that releases it no queen. Your body is going to explode. She is like itching to roar. She needs to like get out. She needs to feel good. Uh, Going to the gym or going um, like boxing or using a punching bag. Ooh, that punching something. Girl, I know, I know we don't, we don't like violence in this chat, but you know what? Punching a bag and just letting out a scream, going out in nature, screaming, release it, release everything you are putting into your body that is pending it up like an engine up on blocks and it has nowhere to go. You got to release that somehow. And that's where active physical rest comes in. Um, I would say getting a massage and yoga is good for that. But I'm more thinking of when I'm thinking of something like that, going for a run or 
um, just, you know, being on a treadmill doing stairs. Again, um, for my disabled folks in the chat, I know that that is not always feasible. So yoga and a massage and stretching is probably the best for you. And you know what? That's okay. That's, that is what your body is able to take in what your body is able to do. That is absolutely okay. Um, I am speaking more for me where I'm like, you know what? I want to go run 10 miles. Like I just, I need to get it out and get it out somehow. Um, so again, it's going to depend on what you do in your day to day, what your body is physically able to take and how you yourself also want to express it. So ways, more ways to get it. Here I go on my pedestal with the sleep again, <laughs> but get some sleep. Um, use an app, uh, fitness tracker. If you've got a Fitbit or an Apple watch or whatever, Samsung watch, um, keep track of your sleep schedule and the quantity. I used to do this, but I love you, Apple, but I will say that I would love to be able to <laughs> wear my watch to bed and not have to charge it. I really did love that my Fitbit could last on 10 days of charge. And so I could wear her to bed pretty much every night. Um, I like tracking my sleep. I like seeing the periods of when I woke up and the time and how long I was awake, how many times I was restless during the night. That kind of tells me as well that I either was dreaming very deeply or bad or um that I really was just restless that I have a lot on my mind and so I probably need to focus on a different area of rest because I'm not sleeping well um you know uh plan time for professional self-care treatments going to the chiropractor acupuncture and like I said earlier massage but chiropractic care Whew, that's not talked about enough and honestly I love going to the chiropractor I feel so good afterward and my body feels so good and limber that it's it's a very good self-care treatment for me i've never done acupuncture so someone's gonna someone else who's done acupuncture you're gonna have to tell me what it's like i've never done it i'm too much of a chicken shit <laughs> i will say it i'm too much of a chicken shit tell me what that's like i just know that from what i've heard um that it is actually a really good way to relax your body but i'm too scared <laughs> too scared uh but getting a massage going to um a spa having a spa day men, you men i'm not this is not just for women men can go to the spa too get yourself a little get you in the hot tub get you a mud mud mask pamper yourself this is not this is not a one gender thing this is all genders everybody everybody in the chat can do any of these things i'm gonna make that very clear um also sit on the couch sit down on the couch read a book listen to a podcast listen to the julia b podcast um sit on the couch play a game play a switch um mario kart that comes to mind because i was just playing mario kart with my best friend last night and i'm very addicted she's got me very addicted to that game that was a fun time um just sit sit in silence even god i don't think enough of us enjoy sitting in silence because we feel like we always gotta be on the go sit in silence put on some ambient music put on some ambient sounds you know meditation Ooh, meditation i know meditation isn't so much physical rest but you know what i always am like meditate 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 um now let's move on to social rest and some of you are like social rest what is she talking about remember how i said overstimulation earlier you know how i said like when you come back from a vacation you're just overstimulated social rest is 
one of the rest that she talks with that Dr. Sandra talks about in her book as well. It's when you're craving some me time. You know, when you're in that state of God, I just want to be by myself, you're probably in need of some social rest. Every person has a variety of relationships in their lives, whether it be family members, coworkers, friends, you know, even acquaintances that you text here and there. Managing that energy is about finding the right balance between relationships that drain you and the relationships that nourish and inspire you. And try not to judge your balance by what anyone else is doing, because we all have different social needs and social preferences. Um, You know, reach out to people who make you feel good about yourself and try to spend time with them. And this is kind of... <laughs> this is kind of interesting because we all know that some of us are introverts and some of us are extroverts, right? And then some of us are ambiverts, which a, a lot of people swear that I'm an ambivert. I firmly believe I'm an introvert, but maybe not. I could be wrong. Um, all of us have different needs when it comes to social rest. And I feel like this is a topic that could totally segue into what healthy and unhealthy attachments with people are, but we're not going to go into that today. We're going to save that for something else. But sometimes when we need social rest, it's a lot about that we are always being someone, something for somebody else. And we're never being something for ourselves. We're always there to be the dumping ground for others' trauma, where the parent, where the spouse, where the, you know, the manager in a business who can never turn her phone off because she's always on call. Um, you know, you're always available, whether you like it or not, for other people, but you're never available for yourself. And for some people, this is okay. You know, some people don't need social rest, or at least they don't need it as much as others because they do like being social. They're like social butterflies. They like talking. God, I know some people that love talking. I love talking too. So can't say that. But um, sometimes it's just you have a day where you're like, I really just want to not talk to someone. And it is okay to withdraw. I feel like that that's not talked about enough that it is okay for you to say, hey, I don't have the space for your problems today or I don't have the space to talk because I want to actually listen very deeply to what you have to say to me and give you advice if that's what you need or give you the listening ear. And if I don't have that for you, I'm not giving you value. I'm just giving you a a body, you know? So for me personally, I'm that way. I don't like to be that person that, you know, if you call me up and you have an issue or you're just venting about work, that I'm not actually mentally there to give you input. I want to be able to, you know, hash this out with you and give you input. And if I can't, because I'm just sitting there like mindlessly staring into space, like, uh huh, yeah, oh, damn. Oh, really? Wow. If if I'm giving you those answers, I'm not listening to you. I guarantee you 100% right now. If you hear that from me, I'm not listening to you. But if I'm able to actually engage with you, then that's good. And I just don't feel like it's talked about enough that 
we don't have that all of the time. So to get social rest, say no. Say no. Say no. If you're feeling depleted, turn down that invitation or 12 and just recharge. Um, change up your hangouts. I, you know, if you usually go out for dinner and drinks with people, which God, I don't do that. I'm a homebody. Okay. COVID-19 has not helped me with this. The panini bread. mm -mm. I'm a homebody. I don't like going out, but for me, that may be where I need to change up a hangout and I need to go out. I need to go out to eat. I need to, you know, go, um, have a hike or something. Change up your hangout. You know, try even meeting up for like a workout class or a paint and sip, you know, um, if you're, if you're someone who goes to the bar every night and you're hanging out with the the music and the drinking and all the people, maybe do something less, less, uh, high vibe, do something low vibe to change it up. Um, do not multitask when spending time with your friends, you know, leave your device in your pocket if if you're out to dinner and you're like scrolling for your phone, I hate this because I do this myself as well. There's that meme. Have y'all seen that meme where it's like, I want connections with the people that make me not look at my phone. That's me. I want that connection. I'm that way. If I'm looking at my phone when I'm hanging out with you, it's not necessarily that I'm not having a good time. It's that just I'm not mentally there. I'm not mentally there because I'm not being like stimulated enough to not want to look at my phone and get you know, more something from that, you know, I don't necessarily know what that would be called, but, um, don't multitask because then you're doing too much at one time and you're not giving, you're just not giving value to the connections that you're spending time with. And yeah, limit the size of the group you're hanging out with. If you've got plans to go out with like 12 people, like your friend is like, yeah, let's go out to the bar and we're going to have Ronnie G and blah, 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 and him and his friend and his mama and this and that. That's too much. <laughs> That's too much. And some people like that. They like going out with big crowds because it's always a good time, but just limit that. You know, you're allowed to be like, yeah, you know what? I don't really feel like that. Or if you're the type of person like, hey, you want to come to my party? And you're like, who's all going to be there? That's me. I'm like, who's going to be there? Like, who who's there? Because I'm also someone like, if I don't know a lot of the people there, I'm going to be following the host around like, hi, you're the only one I know here. Ha ha. Like, I don't know any of these people. Because that also is a way that you can get put yourself in a situation where you're very anxious. And if you're not someone who's good at making conversation and seeking out connection, uh, that's not going to be a good time for you. And you're going to fizzle out your social media very quickly. I can guarantee it. Um, so limit the size of the group that you're going with. If you are going to be meeting new people, make sure that group size is not 10 hundred new people. It's like two or even one. I know perfect instance of this. Like I, when I met my, my now best friend, um, for the first time we got in a discord call together and we were playing a game and she asked me, she said, Hey, would you mind if my husband and my friend joined this call? And I don't know what was, we both discussed this. There was some transits happening that day in our friendship circle, but I was like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to. And it was a good time. It was two new people three, well, actually three new people because I had just met her that night, but it just felt very good. And 
you know, when you're in that type of situation, I would recommend you already know one of the people, but limit the size. Don't go out and, you know, meet 10 new people and you have to instantly like learn everybody, their names, who they are, their life all in that night. That's just that's just too much, in my opinion. Some people like that. You know, I know some people who go to events like that where it's like the goal is to meet new people, you know, like those like those e-harmony things where it's um, like the parties. Do they still do that? That's like an old commercial that I saw. But they were doing these things where the goal was to meet like someone you were going to date. But it was like a big group of people. You They set it up at this place. Do you know what I'm talking about? I feel old. Um, <laughs> But that was the goal. And I, for me personally, could never do something like that. But I know people who can. And, you know, put yourself in situations where you're going to give genuine value to the connection and you're not going to fizzle yourself out. Because otherwise, that's not rest. That's more, that is more stress. <laughs> that is more on your plate. Um, so, and of course, when you're doing that, don't multitask while you're doing it. Don't be talking to like your old friends or your current friends while you're meeting your new friends. Leave your device in your pocket. Um, so then what's the next rest? Uh, emotional rest. That's right. Emotional rest uh, in t- with extreme stress in times of extreme stress. It's not uncommon to get irritable or overwhelmed when we as humans get emotionally taxed. The effects tend to quickly spill over into other areas of our life. We have a hard time staying focused and productive when we're just not at our emotional best. And Emotional rest tends to come down to setting effective boundaries. When you feel emotionally drained, it can be a sign that you said yes to something that should have been a no. Um, and I, I have definitely done this. I have definitely been in situations where friends have wanted to hang out. And I said yes, because I really I didn't want to feel left out. But uh, I should have just said no. I should have said no, because then I ended up not having a good time. Again, goes back to I wasn't giving the genuine connection. I wasn't talking. I was kind of giving one word answers. And I just I didn't know then how to get out of the situation. I didn't know how to remove myself and go, you know what? Actually, this was not it for me. And that is where setting boundaries with yourself comes in. You have to recognize when you're just looking for you're just wanting to people please and you're looking for validation that, oh, I showed up, I'm here, like I'm, you know, being a part of this, of the, the friendship and a part of the group when really you, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say, yeah, you know what? I'd rather sit with my own emotions tonight. You know, the past week's been pretty bad. The past couple of months have not been great. I need to sit by myself. And the people that you are spending time with or speaking with or asking something of you, they need to be okay with that. And if they're not okay with that, that is not a you problem. That's a them problem. They need to look at why they're not okay with you taking time for yourself. Because anyone in your life should care about you and they should care about you taking care of yourself before taking care of them. Um, so, you know, 
to get emotional rest, take a yes break. Give yourself space to consider what you can handle by asking for time to consider requests before you agree to them. Um, Put a time limit on it and say like, hey, if you want me to hang out tonight or within the next couple of days, you need to let me know by this day and this time because I need time to process it. I feel like that's perfectly acceptable. I feel like um, I have done that. I have definitely been like, you know what? Let me get back to you on that. I've been asked to hang out and be like, you know what? Let me get back to you on that because I did have some plans today. I'm not quite sure where I'm at with them. Let me think on it. Let me think on what I really want to do. And I'll let you know. Just communication, really. Communicate your needs. Um, You know, share how you are feeling in a safe space. You know, you can vent to a friend if that friend has space. You know, I I don't want it to seem like you can't vent to people, but make sure that person that you're venting to has a space and vice versa. Um, Write out your feelings in a journal. Oh, good goddess journaling. I love journaling and I will always say that when you're going through any period of crisis or questioning, or if you really just need to write something out so you can read it back to yourself to process it, journal. I have many journals and I don't journal every day. I don't. There are times when I should journal and I don't do it. But journaling is so healing because when you do go back to it and you read through what you were going through at that time, how you were feeling, The present you is like, wow, I now see the problem I was having and how to fix it where I didn't see it before. I typically journal if I can, if I remember, if I'm feeling it on the new moon and the full moon. And I give myself till the next new moon or the next full moon to read that journal entry back. That gives me a whole cycle of the moon to think, hmm, wow. I was feeling X, Y, Z then, and I couldn't see the way out. But now me, present me, after doing the work and sitting through it, I see what the answer is. And I wish I'd known it then, but I know it now. Gives you a period of growth. It gives you the time to sit with your feelings after writing them out. Plus, just writing out your feelings. God, doesn't it just make you feel so good? You got it out. It's out in the open. It's in the air. It's on paper. You just, and it doesn't even have to be a journal. Do an audio diary. Do an audio journal. That way you can listen to yourself too. And I feel like that's very helpful. When I'm writing my book, do you know how many audio journals I have? I mean, it's note taking mainly, but I just like listening to myself back. And then it's like, I get little triggers in my mind of like, oh, wait, I got to I got to hone in on that. I got to figure that specific thing out that I just said. I got to, you know, expand on this. Journal, 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 journal your feelings. People are allowed to have feelings. Men, you're allowed to have feelings. I don't know who told men down the road that they weren't allowed to have feelings, feelings, write them out, speak them into existence. Sit with your feelings and feel through them. Do not push them away. They will not go away. They will not go. And just, uh, you have to develop the ability to sit with difficult emotions by practicing mindfulness. You have to, you have to, you have to, because if you, and I know when trauma happens, your body is not going to let you sit with that right away. There's no way. You have to process the trauma first. Your nervous system is always going to prioritize your health and getting you through the trauma before it's going to then call you back to that moment and go, okay, how did you feel in that moment? How do you feel now? How are you going to feel moving forward? 
you're not going to be able to do the work immediately. You're not going to be able to feel through what you're going through immediately. There's just no way. It's it's the adrenaline. It's a trauma response. Your body is not going to let you go through that because that's too much to process at one time. You're going to go through it. You're going to get through it. And then you're going to say, oh, this is how I feel about this. And damn, I really am not okay with this. Or you know what? Damn, I really am okay with this. Um. I, I did that myself very recently with um, going through an eptopic pregnancy. And I will feel more comfortable probably talking about this at a later point, but I was hospitalized for the very first time. And I, wow, that was about two, no, that was three months ago. It was not a good time. And it's still not a good time. Still coping, still healing, but the further out I get from that point, the longer I'm able to really assess what went on at that time and how I'm feeling about it. And I can really see how I thought I was okay. And I really was not. And I really am not. And that's something that I'm going to continue to work through because I'm sitting with my emotions. I'm journaling them. I'm listening to my body. You have to do these things to get the emotional rest that you need. And Segwaying into sensory rest, which is very important, things that trigger your emotions, you know, you know, the mild anxiety you, you know, feel when you get a notification on your phone, uh, chances are <laughs> you're experiencing a kind of sensory input around the clock. You know, even though our technology gets a bad rap. You know, a lot of people are like, oh my God, we didn't have this in my day and phones are ruining our lives and technology is ruining our lives, which it kind of is. But again, another time, um, ambient noises, bright lights, traffic, other people talking, chewing with their mouth open. Oh my God. That adds to sensory overload. That adds to overstimulation. Um, if you have ADHD, if you are autistic, um, if you, you know, experience heightened sensitivity to sounds, lights, uh, emotions, if you're empathic, um, I'm personally empathic. I know several people who are adds to the senses and then you get overstimulated, you get sensory overload and then your body shuts down, girl. Sensory rest, to the ways to get it, is to turn notifications off of your phone um, or even trying a digital detox, uh, a social media detox. Five minutes. Try it for five minutes, and I guarantee you'll feel more re re refreshed and can increase that time. You know, put your phone on do not disturb. I'm going to say it. I don't do it myself, but I'm going to say it. Um, I do know people who put their phone on do not disturb all day, every day. You cannot get a hold of them for the Dickens, but that protects their sensory rest because it gives that person anxiety to see all the notifications on their phone and feel like they have to respond, feeling like they have to then go through all their text messages and see who wanted them. Look, read or listen to all their voicemails, go through their social media to see what they missed through the day. That is sensory overload. So turning off even your read receipts, turn off your read receipts. So that way, you know that if you read someone's message, they don't know that you read it. I, I don't do that, but do that. Do that. 
listen to what I say. Don't listen to what I do because for, I'm different. I, my experiences are different and I don't have to turn off read receipts, but I do feel like that notifications, it would be nice if I, you know, would turn off my notifications more because sometimes I just don't want to see that other people want my attention or that other things are calling me away from what I'm doing. Um, again, meditation, 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 meditation. It can help you learn to notice and not be swept away by external stimuli and internal chatter. Now, uh, meditation is a very interesting topic. I'm now thinking maybe I should do a podcast on this. <laughs> uh, thinking ahead, but meditation is a practice. It is literally called meditation practice. You are not going to be good at meditation the first time you do it. And you want to know why? Because meditation is all about cutting out the external and internal chatter in your mind. And it's hard. It is hard to sit still if you've never been comfortable sitting still in silence and with your own thoughts. It's hard to clear all of that away and let the universe come in and give you cleansing to clear away the stimuli. Um I recommend for beginners a guided meditation because you're able to listen to someone in a calm way that will guide your breaths, will guide your thinking. And then as you become more adept at doing this, you can just have ambient sounds or ambient music playing in the background or even go out in nature. Just go out in nature without an electronic device to help you meditate and be with yourself and meditate. And you can meditate on a specific question. You can ask the universe, your God, your deity, whatever you believe in, um, your ancestors, your guides, the angels, whatever you want, how you can affect a particular situation, what you need right now, or you can just ponder, you know, just whatever you want from your meditation even if it's just, I want to feel nothing for the next 20 minutes, five minutes, whatever, do that. Go out in nature, sit in your you know, bedroom, your office, wherever you're most comfortable. That's not going to give you any stimuli. You know, the bathroom, the bathtub, sit and be still and clear everything away so that you can walk away from that feeling refreshed and not feel like the world is caving in or feeling like that you just have so much going on at once that you can't even possibly begin on that to-do list that's been sitting there for three weeks. Um, trying out a sensory deprivation therapy, like a float tank. I would love to try a float tank. I've been a little nervous because those float tanks cut off everything. They cut off all your senses, sound, feeling, you are literally put in a state of nothingness. And I've heard this can bring out some bad things like existential dread. And it really does get you thinking and just like, oh, my God, my body is disconnected. Like for control freaks like me, I don't know if it would be good or bad, but I will try anything once. Um, However, I've heard they are only really recommended for a full reset. Like if you really are just struggling with way too much, and so much that you can't move forward. They're kind of a full reset type of therapy. Um, so if anyone has tried it, I'd be interested to know because I 
have thought about it, but I am way too in control of my body that I feel like it would put me in a state of panic, but I don't know. It could be wrong. I've never tried it. Um, spiritual rest. Spiritual rest is when we feel disconnected from the rest of the world. It can kind of leave us feeling like unmoored, like we're just a boat drifting through the waves with no direction. Spiritual rest provides us with a sense of purpose and belonging, um, feelings of love, acceptance, and understanding help ground us. And without it, <laughs> we're prone to existential crisis. Now, not everyone is spiritual. Not everyone believes that there's a higher power, a higher being. Um, that is okay. Um, I'm not here to tell you what to believe, and I'm definitely not here to tell you that what you believe is wrong. Absolutely not. Um, what I can tell you is if you are feeling a sense of being disconnected, you might want to find a way to feel um well you might just want to find a way to feel more connected with the people with yourself you know if you are feeling like god what's my purpose in life and what am i here for what's the point you are kind of needing it's to me, the universe is calling you to come home to yourself and find out what you feel like you're here for. What are you good at? Or what have you always wanted to do? Um, again, I'm a very spiritual person. I'm not a religious person. Um, I actually have left the Baptist faith. I was raised very Christian um, and I am now a first generation Wiccan. I am the first Wiccan in my family that I know of. Um, and I do not believe in Jesus Christ. I do believe there is a God, um, which is why you'll hear me say spirits or goddess or God interchangeably, because, um, I believe in God, don't necessarily believe in Jesus, but I do believe that there is something else out there. And I do believe that the spirits of my ancestors are all around me. So again, all I can ask from this point forward is you take what resonates with you and you go with it. And if it doesn't resonate with you, that's fine. Again, I'm not here to tell anyone what to believe or how to feel. I can only tell you my own experience. Um, so ways to get spiritual rest. Um, you can join a spiritual community. Um, if you are religious, you can join a faith-based community like a church um, or just a group that aligns with your interests. I know for me, um, having a coven, having mutual people, mutual witches um, to speak with really helps me when I'm struggling with existential dread. Um, and I don't have a coven necessarily. I just have many friends who are either witch, eclectic witches or Wiccans that I am able to speak with on these topics. Um, you know, and so you can volunteer if, you know, if those things don't resonate with you, volunteer for a cause that's meaningful. You know, the causes of um, building homes in war-torn countries or um, animal organizations or providing education for um, 
POCs and um, minorities, you know, things that feel, give you a sense of purpose. Those are things that you can reach for that would give, that would give you the feeling of meaning because you're doing something to better the collective. Um, also working with a coach or a mentor to reconnect your, the short term goals that you have to a bigger picture is always very helpful. I always feel like that sometimes when we get swept up in the day to day and we get swept up in life and how it doesn't have any meaning, we can really get, um, lost. Our big picture that we have in our head can get lost because we're constantly being told that our big picture is too much. And you know what that means? It's too much for other people, but it's not too much for us. So working with a a coach, um, like a manifestation coach or um, just a mentor of any kind to reconnect you to some goals that would help you reach what you want to achieve really can bring back that sense of purpose that you're missing, that sense of connection to life that you have lost. Um, so, and I just want to also say that with, with all of this, with all of, all of the rest combined, it is very, very important to do so you know it's uh, rest is important okay and you cannot expect to keep going and keep pushing through your day and go through burnout and you know just keep going and keep going because at some point down the line it'll get better you can't do that Because I'm here to tell you that when you don't allow your body to rest, you're going to, you're there, a reckoning is going to come. Okay. And I don't say that to scare any of you, but your body and your mind can only take so much. And this goes beyond burnout. Okay. We talked about last week that burnout can leave you vulnerable to illness. Well, here's the thing. Your body will stop. It will come to a point where you no longer can get up in the morning because something is wrong. You will get sick. You will get ill. The universe is looking out for all of us. And if the universe sees that you are pushing too hard, she's going to come down on you so hard and make you rest. So if you want to keep pushing, if you want to keep going and you just want to, you know, I can do it. I'm strong. I'm tough. Guess what? She's going to be like, no, you're not because you, you at my beck and call, baby, you have to stop or she will make you stop. And when she makes you stop, it's, it's, it's going to be bad because, um, I've seen it. (laughs) I've seen it. Um, I've seen it happen because it's happened to me. Um, There was a point in my life where survival culture was at its absolute high in my family. You know, my husband and I had just, we had just moved out from my parents' home. We had no money and we were living with someone to help pay the rent and at one point, my husband was working three jobs, 
three different jobs and I was working one and he got into an accident. He got into a car accident and I got the call from him that he got into a wreck because he fell asleep at the wheel of the car and he slammed into the back of somebody and he completely totaled our Altima to the point where we had to total it. It was a total loss. We had to get a whole new car. And at the time, I remember that all I cared about was the car and the money I was going to have to spend for the insurance and how to get it fixed and just how we didn't have any money, the money to get it towed. I overdrafted my bank account to get that car towed. And my mom came and picked me up um, or maybe I picked her up. I don't even remember anymore because the place that we were having the car towed to was a a body shop. It it was going to be where the insurance company was going to come out, assess it and see if they could fix it. And so um, my husband got out of that tow truck and I, I was just sobbing. I was sobbing when I saw the way the car looked. I was sobbing because, oh, my God, how was I going to afford to fix this car? What were we going to do? Do you know that not once I thought about my husband's well-being? I, I didn't care that he had gotten a wreck. I cared about the money. Do you know how how entrenched in my survival and the way that I was living I must have been to just not have considered my husband and I consider it now and he and I have talked about this this is no secret we have worked through this and this is this was many years ago but um I I didn't I didn't care and I just remember that he was so angry. He was so angry at himself for running into the back of the car. How dare he run into the back? What was he thinking? You know, why wasn't he paying attention? And I remember being angry. I was angry at him. Like, what were you doing? Why weren't you paying attention? And I'm here to tell you it's because my husband was so beyond burnt out and he wasn't resting because we couldn't rest. How could we? How could we even if we rested, that meant we were going to die. We weren't going to survive. When the report of the car came back, now this is very serious, and I'm not saying this to trigger or scare anyone, but when the report came back about the car, they said that there was about maybe an inch to where the airbags could have deployed and it would have crushed something in the car. What was it? I'm not a car person, so I don't, it would, there was just, I know what he, he said, there was an inch left to where Joshua could have been killed. My husband could have died. And at that point, it fucking hit me like a brick. I was like, oh, my God, he could have died. The airbag could have deployed. He could have been crunched. He hit the car in front of him with that much force because he just he fell asleep. He fell asleep at the wheel because he was so exhausted because he was not even getting sleep. He was going from job to job to job with maybe an hour, two hours sleep in between because that's how desperate we were for money. And he almost died. And I think about that a lot because I think about how I never want to A, go back to that point in my life financially, but B, how I want to sacrifice our health, our rest 
for a job and for money and to pay bills. And I know that for some of you, that is your reality right now. And you are the ones I am speaking mainly to. Do not, please do not risk your life because you think that if you don't give 110% every day and you rest, that you're just going to lose everything. Because I'm here to tell you, you will lose everything if you don't rest. You have to take care of yourself or the universe will show you why you need to take care of yourself. So I think about that often when I feel like we're drowning and I feel like that we're not able to catch up with some bills because it happens from time to time. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we're now rich and living abundantly. We're not. You know, there's still struggle, especially in today's climate. But I will never again sacrifice his health, my health, our, you know, our well-being for money and a job. I just will not do it. I will always say, you know what? You have the vacation time, or even if you don't, take take a mental health day. You need a mental health day. You need a rest day. Take it. I do it. I do it. Do I regret it sometimes? Do I feel shame? Absolutely. But I did it, and I will do the damn thing all the time before I ever endanger myself or him again. So, tips to incorporating rest, scheduling it in your workday, in your day-to-day life. Understand that it's not just about sleep and that you can't pile it all on at the end of the day. You cannot prevent yourself from being drained by incorporating opportunities for, or you can, not that you can't, you can prevent yourself from being drained by incorporating opportunities for rest into the workday. And I've got four different types of ways to do that. A, use technology to your advantage. There are a number of apps that help you tune out distractions or remind you when it's time to rest. Like I said earlier, The Forest, I'll, I can leave a link for that in the App Store um, if any of you want to check it out. It's really cute also. I like The Forest vibe with it, so definitely um, try it out if that's your vibe. Um, but if you want to keep it simple, just try setting a timer to remind yourself to take a break. Set multiple timers. Pomodoro method. Focus and unfocus, you know. Um, create a hard stop. You know, setting boundaries at work can be difficult, especially if you work from home. If you have a tendency to work past closing time or pile on extra hours, try scheduling something after work as far as rest. Shifting gears can help you get into rest mode. If you know that you want to, let's say you want to stop work at five o'clock in the evening, five o'clock, that timer goes off, you're done, BB. I don't care if you didn't finish that project and you have to do it again, you have to start it tomorrow. I don't care if you didn't meet that deadline. You stop. That workday is done. Unless you have the emotional, mental, physical capacity to keep going for an extra 30 minutes to finish it, stop. There has to be a point where you are out of work. And this goes even for people who work out of the home, but specifically for people who work in the home. If you are like, oh, no, I'm fine. I have to get this done because if I don't get this done, like I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be anxious or people are going to look bad bad on me. And oh, my God, I've been putting it off for days because I just haven't been motivated. I don't care. Doesn't matter. You have to stop at some point. There has to be a stopping point. You can't be working all hours of the night and then going to bed at like 3 a.m. and then getting up and then 
being shameful because, well, now I didn't get out of bed until like two in the afternoon. Well, baby girl, you didn't get out of bed till two in the afternoon because you didn't go to bed till 3 a.m. What do you expect? You cannot deny your body rests like that. That is a cycle that you're getting into that does not help you. It hinders you. So hard stop. Have to do it. I know it sounds crazy, but you gotta. You have to give yourself that space. Um, you can bundle different types of rests, you know, two for one bundle, girl, get it, get the bundle. There we go. Buy one, get one free bundle that shit. Be intentional and about what, or be intuitive. I should say about what your body needs and do all of them, do two of them, do three of them, whatever you feel like you need mental rest, physical rest, do, do a couple things at the end of your workday, incorporate it into your workday. You know, if you're able to go on your lunch break and go hit the gym for a few minutes and then come back to work, great. If you're able to, you know, go take a nap in your car, great. Do that. Like, find ways to do all of these things if that's what you're needing. Um, you know, be intentional and creative about using your time off to maximize your rest. If you have a free afternoon or a day off, combine one or more types of rest. You know, you could take a walk um, with a friend, which is social, creative and physical because you're with a friend. You're taking a walk on the beach, which is getting you grounded and getting you with um, getting you in tune with your inspiration and your creativity. And it's physical. You're walking, you know, Um or go and volunteer, you know, go, um, go walk some dogs for the, for the dog shelter. Um, go, uh, tutor a student, go, you know, spend some time with a student who's struggling with, uh, school, mental, spiritual, you got it right there. You can do these things. You can bundle different things together to encompass multiple forms of rest. Um, resting early and often. Definitely, if you feel like you need to take a short work day, whether it be at home or out in the workforce, leave early and, and go home and do some rest. Take a nap, read a book, you know, do this often. Don't wait until you feel depleted to start filling your tank. Plan the short breaks throughout the day and look ahead to see when you might want to take a few days off. Allow a buffer between activities and meetings so you don't get overwhelmed. Don't wait until you're literally at burnout stage and then you're trying to do. It's like, you, have you seen that meme where it's like the the um, the lotion? What is that? The Dr. Teal's lotion where it's like energize and um, sleep and hydrate or what, whatever those things are. The, you got them all over your face. Don't wait until you're at that point where you got to like smear all that shit all over you to feel better. no. Do it before it happens to combat the fatigue. Um, just making sure that you get all different types of rest, it requires a shift in mindset. We should all remember that. When you embrace the idea that being busy doesn't necessarily mean being productive, you can build rest into your day without guilt. I'm going to say that again. When you embrace the idea that being busy doesn't necessarily mean being productive, you can build rest into your day without guilt. Fuck shame and fuck guilt. 
you are allowed to rest. You are a human being. I don't know who told society that we can run on, you know, two hours of sleep for a 40 hour work week. No, you have to rest. Even a few minutes of the different kinds of rest, they can help you be more productive, created, created, creative, and satisfied with your day. And this is not going to come easy for some of you. I know, I know we love the hustle. I am a hustler. I love being busy. I love feeling like I've got deadlines and I love feeling like I've got a mountain of paperwork that I can get through. I love feeling accomplished. Okay. I love chasing dopamine that way, but it, it's going to take you time to realize and change the, A, the limiting belief that you don't deserve rest, and B, change your mindset to understand that you were not created to work as much as society makes it out to be. We are told and we are brainwashed that if you work so many hours, a bunch of hours a week, that you're doing great and that you're, you're better than somebody else. No. No, because that person that works five hours a week and is living their most abundant, fulfilled life is so rested, moisturized, and unbothered. That person is doing better than that person who's burnt out over there wondering, God, when can I take a vacation? Can I even afford to do that financially, mentally? You know, I'm going to look so bad on my boss that I keep calling off. They're going to think that I'm not good enough. Fuck that shit. No. Because you need to rest. You need to be able to take time with yourself to be more productive. Because once you get to the point where you are burnt out or you're fatigued or you can't give anymore, who's that helping? That's when your boss is going to be coming to you like, hey, that deadline that was three days ago and I still haven't received your report. Where is it? And you're over there with 10 dark circles under your eyes slugging your like espresso like it's crack cocaine, honey boo boo, that ain't good for anybody. You have to rest to be more productive. We, my lovelies, are coming to the end of the podcast today, but I just want to make a note that I am not a medical professional. I cannot diagnose you or make a treatment plan for you. But what I can do is share my feelings and my experiences in the hope that I can be some form of light in the dark for you. You aren't alone. And if others shy away from you or topics of mental health because, ew, girl, mental health, just know that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing even wrong with them. Society has ruined us as a collective by keeping us divided, and it will continue to ruin us unless we use our collective voice. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast in the hive links to other places you can find me are in the description. Life is a bet kill sometimes. Just remember to love yourself, love the universe you are a part of and love the life that she gave you. I'll see you guys next time.